Welcome to the Who's Left podcast, a show about Indiana politics, history, and culture from the unapologetic perspective of the Hoosier left. My name is Scott Aaron Rogers, and I'm recording from Bloomington. So folks, if uh, I find myself canceled after this episode, it's been a real pleasure talking with all of you for the last year. But I think it's important we step into this eggshell-covered minefield that is the Israel-Palestine situation for a few reasons. Um, first of all, this is the dominant story in the news, and it has topped the headlines for two months, and we, we should talk about it. Additionally... Our government's response, in particular President Biden's response, has uh, resulted in his poll numbers taking a huge hit and may very well wind up giving us a second Trump turn, which would uh, not be good for Palestinians, Jews, or anybody. But most of all, I think we need to talk about it because the way it has been talked about uh, particularly in the mainstream media, has not been good. Um, it's a delicate situation. It requires nuance. And for us to dispense with black and white thinking, we can say that we condemn Hamas and terrorism and the October 7th attack and still say we condemn the Israeli response and the indiscriminate bombing that has resulted in the death of nearly 18,000 Palestinians, half of whom are children. We can criticize the Israeli government and still reaffirm that Israel has a right to exist, that the Jewish people have a right to a homeland in their ancestral home where they can feel safe and secure and live in peace. These are not contradictory statements, and it shouldn't be difficult. Now, the mainstream media has been completely guilty of malpractice. Both print and broadcast journalism uh, have used dehumanizing language toward Palestinians. Accusations of anti-Semitism are rampant without much thought to the increase in uh, anti-Islamic sentiment as well. The much has been made about the phrase, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. It resulted in uh, Congress censuring Rashida Tlaib, the uh, only Palestinian-American in Congress, for her use of the phrase, uh, where whereas the Republican insurrectionists didn't so much as even get a slap on the wrist after trying to overthrow the government. And that also ignores that Benjamin Netanyahu's own Likud party uses the same from the river to, to the sea language in favor of uh, Israeli-only sovereignty. And... University presidents are getting hauled before Congress for allowing pro-Palestinian rallies on their campuses, even when these rallies are oftentimes sponsored by Jewish Voices for Peace, 
It's like anything short of 100% unequivocal support of the far-right Israeli government's position makes you a raging anti-Semite. I think the media's biggest sin here has been the lack of proper historical perspective, as if the terrorist attacks of October 7th are the beginning of this conflict. And for anybody who's even been half awake at any point in the last 75 years, you know this conflict has a lot of history. I want to direct you, my listeners, to a couple other podcasts that I think have done a really good job of diving into the history here. First, The Dig from Jacobin Magazine has done several episodes on Israel and Palestine recently, uh, speaking to both Arab and Jewish scholars. And I also want to point you to one of my new favorite podcasts, Unfucking the Republic, their three-part series on Israel-Palestine is mandatory listening for anybody who wants to get caught up on this situation. I will link to all that in the show notes. Uh, in the show notes. So, where do you want to start the clock? I guess if history didn't start on October seventh, do, do you want to do you want to look at sixteen years ago? That's how long Gaza's been under siege. The Israeli government controls all movement uh, in and out of people and goods to the territory. Do you re- want to rewind to 1995 and the peace process and the Oslo Accords being throttled by the assassination of Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin by one of his own people, uh, an extremist, radical, ultra-Zionist? Do you want to roll back to the First Intifada and uh, the formation of Hamas and their use of suicide bombings in in the late 80s and early 90s? Do you want to go to the formation of the Likud Party in Israel in the 70s and they're moving the Israeli government farther to the right? than it had ever been before, including their 1982 invasion of Lebanon? Do you want to start the clock with the 1973 Yom Kippur War, which was begun by the Arab states? Or the 1967 Six Days War, which the Israeli armed forces started, and they still hold much of the territory they captured in that war to this day? Do you want to start the clock in 1956 with the Suez Canal crisis? Do you want to start it uh, with the foundation of the Israeli state in 1948? Because even even that isn't the beginning of this conflict, right? You know, you could rewind all, all the way to the 1890s when uh, the Zionist movement first began as a response to persecution of the Jewish people in Eastern Europe and Russia. And there was a small Jewish population in Ottoman Palestine at that time. And, and, and Jews and Muslims and Christians and all lived in that area peacefully coexisted. But 
the Ottomans found themselves on the wrong side of the First World War, and afterwards the Allies carved up their territory. The British and the French went in there, drew lines on the map, didn't really consult with the local people if they would make sense, and that's what it was. So the 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 British held a mandate over Palestine between the world wars. And in this period, you start to see a little bit more Jewish immigration to Palestine. Um, certainly after the Nazis come to power in Germany and enact the Nuremberg laws, you see even more and more uh, immigration. And, uh, you know, there are scuffles between Jews and Palestinians at this point. Um, you know, these are ongoing. After World War II, when the full scope of the horror of the Nazis' Holocaust was apparent, you know, it became obvious that uh, the Jewish people needed a homeland of their own where they could be safe and secure. And the British were still in charge in Palestine, and it wasn't exactly theirs to give away right? Um, you can't make up for the horrors of the Holocaust with the Nakba, right? You cannot make up for one catastrophe with another catastrophe. And from the outside, it looks like two groups of hurt people, hurting people, inflicting their generational trauma on their neighbors, and so on, and so on and so on, generation after generation. I guess it doesn't matter who is at fault, as it were. Cease fire now. Now, for all the pain and suffering these peoples have both endured in their ancestral lands, both Jewish and Palestinian Americans add diversity to the social fabric of America. Today, I am bringing on a Palestinian-American voice because I feel they've been upper or underrepresented in mainstream discourse. But please, for my Jewish listeners, reach out. Tell me, am, am I wrong here? Help me understand. Before we get to my interview today, I do want to request your support. The best way to help the program financially is to subscribe at the paid level over at scottaaronrogers.substack.com. While you're there, you can also find my essays and campaign finance research. Additionally, um, please rate and review the podcast if your podcast player allows you to do so. But the most important thing you can do is to share this with another Hoosier. We are all stuck here in red state hell together. Let us be in community, in solidarity. Again, thank you for your support. Here's my interview with Noor Hussein. Noor Hussein, welcome to the Who's Left podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, you are coming to us from Los Angeles, California. Yes. This is a show about Indiana politics, history, and culture. Mm-hmm. Tell us your Hoosier cred. 
well as in like my little background yeah okay. where are you from so i was born in chicago but i was raised in south bend indiana uh and then I went to IU for school. I was there for about five years. And then when I finished my degree, I went to Indianapolis where I lived for about two years. And then, um, which I got a job that had nothing to do with my field. And then I fortunately got laid off because of the recession or whatever, you know, whatever we're in. And I moved to LA mm. right after. <laughs> well, uh... Yeah, that's that's quite a jump, but uh, so who who lifelong Hoosier until the last several months? Absolutely, yep. once a Hoosier, always a Hoosier, right? Oh, for sure. Everyone can tell I'm from the Midwest here. So, I, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's like like here, you don't you know you don't know that you have an accent until you go somewhere else, right? Yeah, and just I guess I'm just a lot nicer <laughs> than people here. So uh, my manners, um, yeah, my. Yeah. And some of the stuff that I say, like, oh, man, just some funny term. <laughs> the ope is always a dead giveaway, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, did, did your sister go to Purdue? Is that right? Oh, yeah, she did. She, yeah, and she, we graduated the same year, too. And our graduation was on the same day, too, which was kind of funny. The, yeah, the logistics of that had to be yeah. tricky. Yeah, it was funny. Um, but yeah, she went to Purdue and she w then went to Boston for grad school. And now she's um back in Indiana. In, in wow, Indiana. awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, a uh, couple, couple Hoosier girls, you know, growing up doing, doing her Hoosier stuff, like all American family. Tell yeah. us uh, about your family. Like you are uh, of Palestinian descent, mm -hmm. correct? Correct. Um. How did your family come to be here? So, well, my grandparents were both born in Palestine, but, um, you know, during the occupation and just the raiding of the villages, they were forced to leave. So my um, mom's side ended up going to Kuwait, and then my dad's side went to Jordan, and then, you know, my both family ended up moving to Jordan. That's how they got, like, they were neighbors and ended up getting married. Um shortly after they got married they moved to the united states at 19 so not speaking any english you know not knowing not have like only having like one family member here and they moved to chicago out of all places and it yeah. was too much for my family so we ended up having like a great aunt or something or a great uncle in indiana in south bend who was like you know you should come here it's a lot quieter it's easier to have a family there's a muslim community here it was smaller at the time but um it was still like, you know, because my parents still wanted that because like in Chicago, there's a huge Arab Muslim community. So they were kind of yeah. worried that they wouldn't have that kind of like community in Indiana. But they did. And it's only growing now. And, you know, now, 25 years later, they're still in South Bend. Um, yeah, we I went to. Pal yeah. And I got to go to Palestine for the first time like five years ago, which was really nice. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. Um Mm -hmm. So, like, what, 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 what year was it about when your parents, um, or well, your your family, your grandparents? You said when did they leave Palestine? So they left around, I be I believe, the seventies, like sixties and seventies. So I know me, my like okay. grandfather, they were both sixteen at the time. So 
and he was born in like the 1940s so yeah i think just about like the 1960s 1970s he um must have said a lot yeah especially because they um i think i remember him telling me the story about how like they had a walk on foot and how like he lost his brother in the in the process and how i mean they also lost his dad at the time not because of the israel forces or anything but just because of i don't know illness so yeah and then they moved from like syria and i think they tried to go to turkey but that didn't work so they went to kuwait and then you know and then they found their so found their ways back to jordan but my dad's side actually they ended up moving to puerto rico because there was a huge palestinian community there i don't know how or why but yeah my huh. dad was ended I never up being knew that going there yeah we, yeah i don't know maybe it was like easy year to get like citizenship or something or maybe they are hosting refugees at the time i probably should do more research of that or ask my dad more about it but yeah so he ended up being raised in puerto rico for half of his life and then moving to jordan <laughs> oh wow man. small world eh <laughs> yeah been around yeah that's that's so interesting um mm -hmm. so your parents came here um about when? The 19, 1997. Like 1997, 1997. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and not a word of English, right? When they came over yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. And they, my mom, I think they're like, you know, both straight out of high school. My mom like decided to like learn English here. Uh, I think Indiana University and stuff. And they were offering like English as a second language classes. So I was remember, like, I remember growing up, she would go to that and I would go to daycare. And I'd be learning English there or like some after school program and she'd be at some after school program learning yeah. English. Mm -hmm. That's that's you were learning at the same time. That's that's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely made things a little difficult growing up just with like comprehension and stuff. But I mean, I'm grateful to have like Arabic as my first language too, because, you know, thankfully my parents still, use, you know, talk to me in Arabic at home. Yeah, oh, I wish I could speak a second language. I tried several. I just if you if you don't like immerse yourself with it, it it's so hard. Absolutely. Um, and not a, not enough Americans to speak a second language. Yeah, totally, totally <laughs> guilty. Mm -hmm. But that I mean that, that's that, that's an amazing story that that your parents come over here and and here you know twenty five some years later two girls went went through college. One mm -hmm. grad school, like mm -hmm. that's the American dream, right? Absolutely. Um, so e even with that, like you know, all American girl, right? Like, do you do you ever get shit for I don't know being Muslim or Arab or Palestinian or you know well, just just brown in general because yeah. Americans are not often discerning. I mean, I guess it'd be like, where would you want me to start? <laughs> I mean, especially being raised in Indiana, um, there's a lot of ignorance. I mean, thankful, well, thankfully I was raised in South Bend and then I went to school in Bloomington. So those were the only, not that there's a much association, but there were the only blue counties in Indiana at the time, I believe. So it's like, there's a little bit more, um, a little bit less racism, I would say that I experienced. But I mean, I remember like, because my mom wears a hijab and so does my sister and so they're mm -hmm. visibly muslim so you know they definitely um receive a lot more you know just islamophobia 
like comments and whatever. I mean, I did get them growing up, especially because my last name is Hussein. So like I've just yeah, had yeah. heard it all. And I mean, even still as an adult, like, you know, people who are, you know, I thought it would get better as I'm older, but you know, people still, especially when they see my name, I mean, that's the only like concern that I usually get. And then being Palestinian was never an issue. It was always just, oh, I'm Muslim or I'm Arab. So like that was my, that was like what I was, you know, basically being antagonized for. But here in LA, like no one could care less that I'm Muslim or Arab. They, they yeah, care that I'm right. Palestinian. Like they hmm. would rather me be Muslim and Arab from somewhere else. But as soon as Palestinians brought up, it's a completely different conversation. That's when people tell me, oh, Palestine doesn't exist. Or they tell me that you're not Palestinian because your parents weren't born there. Blah, blah, blah. So. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not great. Um, <laughs> wow. So is this just in the last month or so since things have started to be like that or, um, or, 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 or you know, did you get, get a hard time specifically well, over the Palestine issue before? Well, my, the Palestine became, started to become an issue for me was when I was at IU because I was in a sorority for a moment and I just didn't know that you know, a lot of the sororities there had, um, it's like a lot of pro-Israel students there. You know, there's students who wear the IDF sweatshirts there and stuff like that. And I remember oh, I was wow. in my chapter meeting and they were like, who wants a free trip to Israel? And I was like, I'm Palestinian, do I count? And like, I got blocked, unfollowed. And that was like, didn't, I didn't get, wow. half of the girls didn't talk to me. So I was like, ooh, this is bad. And then another time it was my birthday and this friend was introducing me to another friend. I was like, oh, I'm from Palestine. He was like, do you mean Israel? And I was like, no, I'm from Palestine. And he's like, well, I went to Israel and blah, blah, blah. And like, so fast forward, you know, didn't really have a problem with it. And then came here and I just didn't know this was like <laughs> the most like second most pro-Israel city in the U.S. after New York. So very shocked when I was telling people Palestinian like I've had two people tell me like oh Palestine does not exist you mean Israel so well, it's very condescending well they, sure. yeah that's like the first place they go hi nice to meet you your own land doesn't exist yeah wow wow um yeah it's so I'm really sorry that you have to deal with that that really stinks no it's okay um everywhere is seems like it's bad and contentious like in any kind of social space right now social media is a, a zoo um there's just so much black and white thinking you know red team blue team good and evil no nuance and um <laughs> I, I, I you know i don't know how you say in so many words like Yes, obviously, uh, you know, Hamas, Hamas and what they did on October 7th are terrible, and they don't represent all the Palestinian people, just as the Israeli government, which, you know, is a coalition of, like, far-right ultra-Zionists currently, they're not representative of all all Jews, certainly, or even all Israelis. Yeah. Um. 
and why is it so hard to be on like team killing innocent people is bad well the issue is like well you saw how i mean i don't know if you saw this but a couple years ago hillary Clinton had tweeted you know bombing hospitals is a war crime and i think they're talking about ukraine you know and like that Mm -hmm. needs to end Mm -hmm. But, you know, as soon as a as Palestinian hospitals have been bombed, multiple of them, refugee camps bombed, there is no there is no com- like the, it's just like we're completely dehumanized. And that's the issue. So Arabs and Muslims are yeah. seen as animals in the Western media. So anything that happens to us, it's very hard for people to sympathize with us. It's I mean, that's why when you hear little kids talking on stands or speaking in English, because they know that if they're speaking in Arabic, People are going to look at them and think that we're animals. So we have to speak in, they have to speak in English so that, you know, Western Western media can sympathize with them. But, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, post 9-11 and just with all the Islamophobia and like the, like the, the misleading titles on news state, like on BBC and CNN, whatever, Fox, all those whatever any current news station there is like they also play a huge role like when they talk about palestinians dying they talk i forgot like the word choice they don't even compare they don't even say kids they say 18 and under but when they talk about israel they say children and they're talking about the same demographics so it's that's the issue it's like the media is just doing such a good job just making it seem like it's not as bad as it seems like twenty thousand people have killed and what's the percentage of hamas being killed like i want to know the number you know there's they're all innocent right. civilians so and you know i'm yeah and october 7th obviously like completely terrible to do like complete like compl- terrible thing to happen but the only what the issue with i have with that is that they made so many lies about it too like they never they didn't show any proof they just they kept like they told one dad that his daughter had died, and then when the release hostage had come had happened, they found that his daughter was alive. So it's like there's just so much propaganda. It's kind of like where's the truth? Biden was like, oh, five thousand people didn't die. So the Palestinian minute, what did Palestine do? They created like an official document with 221 pages of the people die who have died, and that was a month ago, where the numbers have tripled already. So. Wow. It is black and white, but people are choosing not to make it black and white because they're either ignorant, they don't want to, they don't want to take the time to do their own research. I've had so many conversations with people and they just don't want to listen. Like they're already so just stuck or brainwashed or I don't even know what the word is on their ways. They don't even want to have a conversation. It's like, but what about this? Like every time I talk about Palestine, they're like, what about Hamas? What about October 7th? I'm like, what about the 75 years of occupation you know you know like what let's talk about why hamas is also created 75 70 percent of them are orphans you know why because all their parents were you know killed and unfortunately also hamas was voted back in the early yeah and hamas was also um voted for back in the early 2000s and 40 Mm percent of palestine was able to vote and those 40 percent are probably not even alive 20 years later so it's like they never even yeah, had a real yeah life. oh I, yeah I've, I've heard some say that there 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 are no innocent so, palestinians no. they voted for hamas like bro that was 17 bro. years ago there hasn't been a vote since like half of all oh, everybody there are children under 18 
you know, they weren't even born last time there was a free election. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. And yeah, and and I I can understand I guess why a lot of people in this country may you know feel that be one sided and make it and hard to budge because you do really only get one side of the story a lot. You were talking about mm -hmm. the the demonizing language. Um, I feel like the the media is is great at you know taking a camera and zooming in and telling you what's going on now but um they're not really good at context and they're even worse at history at us yeah i mean no one knows that like i mean i i need to brush up on it more but it like started way before 1947 which is crazy and people like you know if you're really educated you know that it starts before mm -hmm. then and just i don't know it's just a lot of uh yeah, it's a lot of history and just a lot of a lot of it just takes a lot of people just to google it i mean that's the issue like people don't want to take the time to just google information but also social media um has been censoring like my posts and a lot of my palestinian um like friends stuff too so i usually on instagram get like 800 views minimum ever since i posted started posting about palestine i barely get 200 and so wow. many people go through this like there's a famous artist named Kalani. She has like millions of followers. She says she used to get like 400,000 views. She's been so pro-Palestine that she barely gets 100,000. So, you know, we're also being shadow banned. And, you know, that like yeah. when we are trying to show the real information, I get, yeah, or Instagram takes down my post saying I'm going against community guidelines and I'm supporting a terrorist attack. It's like, no, I'm just really talking about what's going on in Palestine. So it's like we're trying our best to fight the media, but they have so much control and like social media has also control over what we can share too. So it's really hard. Yeah. Well, it, you know, uh, a certain segment of the Israeli far right have done a good job convincing people that, um, anything that isn't complete support for what the state of israel does is anti-semitism which is crazy because if you literally look at the definition of semitism or whatever it's literally armeric arab and hebrew so how am i anti-semitic yes. against my own self and people would love to just completely take you know arabs out of that equation so it's like if you really want to talk about being anti-semitic Y'all are being anti-Semitic towards Palestinian Arabs, and you know, so it's, I mean, but that word's been thrown out like so easily. It's disgusting. Like you know, people will say that, oh, my family was killed by the idea. Oh, you're anti-Semitic. I'm from Palestine. I'll just say I'm from Palestine. You're being anti-Semitic. Like it's insane. Like that word gets thrown out so easy because they, it has so much power and control here. You know, especially, yeah, especially in L.A. here where you're seeing all these actors being, you know, dropped from their whatever. And then we hear you have people have like, what's that guy? Noah Schnapp or whatever. I don't even know. He's off of Stranger Things. He was talking about how Zionism is, he was like, Zionism is sexy, like kill all Palestinians. And he still has a job. Well, you have that lead actress. Oh, damn, what? And yeah, there's videos of him saying it. And there's like a lead actri actress of Scream 
says, I stand with Palestinians, she gets completely dropped. You know, nothing anti-Semitic, just basically standing up for human rights. So my issue with that word is that I totally, you know, I mean, I sympathize with people who are being anti-Semitic. You know, I don't want anyone to hate Jews or whatever. But to use that word to to just, what's the word? I don't know. Just use that as a it's way to- It's a shield to... against like any valid criticism. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a shield. And people are taking it and running away with it. Yeah. Um, like you should be able to say that um, uh, killing civilians is bad. Uh, you know, killing innocent Palestinians is bad. Killing children is bad. You should be able to say that. Um, you know, you should be able to call for a ceasefire and, and not be, uh, accused of being some anti-Semitic monster. People talk about Saudi Arabia. You don't hear them. You don't hear people calling them. They're Islamophobic. People talk about other countries like, you know, oh, that they're not doing something right. No one gets called anything for them because it's not about that. It's just like recognizing that the government is doing something that's not right. Like. And that's what it is. It's like no one's bringing the religion into it. Like it could have, if if it was like it could have been like a Christian or like you know Christian religion doing to us or another Muslim, like whatever, whoever it would have been, it would have been the same issue. Like stop ethnically cleansing the Palestinians. Like it doesn't matter who was doing it. You know, does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. No. It 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 it, it, it shouldn't be difficult or controversial um, in any way. Um, but yeah, like people don't understand that, um, Muslims and Jews used to live side by side on that very land, you know, like, yeah, literally less, well, probably a little more than a hundred years ago. Um, and then the, you know, after world war one, uh, Palestine was part of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottomans yes. were on the losing side, and the British and the French divided up the area. And whenever you get colonialism involved, and and you know British guys who have no idea about the local customs and traditions and the facts on the ground and who the, this village and their religion mm-hmm. and what they speak religion and, and, and you know they just draw these lines arbitrarily um it's always been a mess and mm-hmm. we you know over the latter half of the 20th century you know we saw all of these places in asia and africa gain their independence from you know their f- former colonial power and it mm-hmm. feels like the Palestinian people got hung out to dry. Absolutely. And, now that's, and that's not to say the Jewish people do not deserve a homeland where they can be safe from, you know, the millennia of uh, persecution they have faced. They absolutely do. Um, but in 1947, right, the UN partitioned the area into two states essentially and mm-hmm. things went to hell like the next year uh mm-hmm. and you know on israel's independence um yep. you know and it was 
what Jordan and Egypt and Syria yes. invaded, you know, started a war with Israel. Um, and in, and the, that's their governments, you know, that's their armies. It's not representative of all the people. Um, mm -hmm. I just feel like everybody is, is flattened, is, you know, is not allowed to be fully a three dimensional human person in this situation and and and, and mm -hmm. people are just like the palestinians or the oh. arabs and the jews and there is no such that, thing as such the <laughs> you know there's so, so many individual people uh such a range in any of those categories and most of them are just lovely humans who want to get along with each other absolutely Absolutely. I mean, there's a reason why prior to the 1940s, um, pal like Christians, Palestinian Christians and Palestinian Muslims and Jews all lived in peace. They were all neighbors. They all had each other watch their kids. They would have mm -hmm. lunch together. Like you talk to people back, like, you know, back then it used to be peace. And then, you know, just one thing led to another. So, yeah. And, you know, so much of it is, yeah, it's, it's, leftovers from empire you know that that mm -hmm. mess things up to this day like you know uh what turkey and iraq and the Kurds don't have their own state and i i don't know if we rewind to like 1918 and redraw the lines where everybody can get along better it, it White uh, people always come in. It's everything. Have a up. lot of influence on. Listen, <laughs> it's just yeah, colonization and just money and greed and power and resources. It's it. I mean, that's what is. It's the base of all of you know all these issues around the world. You know, so the exploitation yeah, of resources. Amer American capital. I mean, you know, Gaza is sitting this, on yeah. billions dollars. Like Gaza's sitting on millions of dollars or billions of dollars worth of oil, and Gazans are not allowed to. I just heard something about uh, that this, this earlier today. Yeah, and people in Gaza are not allowed to dig it up. You know who is Israel, and that's their plan. They have a plan. They have everything written out. Like ugh, I wish I remembered the name of the documents, but literally you can see how they have a plan to basically wipe out, you know, the West Bank and Gaza and create it create more basically you know occupy it and make it into more israeli territories but yeah there's a bunch of oil there so and it's unfortunate that you know the people of gaza can't use it and they're literally one of the most like they're so poor there that <laughs> they could definitely use it but yeah and and the, the u.s government's role in supporting Israel and it's essentially propping it up as a client state for the last 75, 80 years has so much to do with oil and having an outpost there in the Middle East, you know, having an ally there. Absolutely. Um, you know, so there's there's certainly that like geopolitical chessboard factor kind of thing, right? But um like the, the the Christian far right in this country also has a weird thing for Israel, um, where they are convinced that if all of the world's Jews will are, are returned to Israel, then mm -hmm. uh, 
Jesus will come back and this will begin the the Armageddon and um they they act like you know they're really pro Israel and until they get to the part where like yeah. you, you, you know what happens at the end uh they have to yeah. accept Jesus or die um that doesn't seem oh. very supportive to me well the reason why so many um and I actually just learned this too and wish my memory was a lot better so I could you know <laughs> really like um quote what i read but i mean back in the day where they how do they pronounce evan evangelical churches well zionists like zionists used to go to those churches and talk to the pastors and basically bribe them into you know the whole like teaching them the whole ideology that you know they must return to their state and that's israel blah 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 so that's why there's so like there's just so much influence too. It all started back in the day. Like we're very smart people. Great. I don't know. It was what just a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, there was a big uh, pro-Israel rally um, in Washington, and one of the speakers there is uh, or was John Hagee, who is like an ultra-right mm -hmm. Christo-fascist preacher. <laughs> And he's also, yeah, one of these like ultra Zionists, and that's why. Uh, and, and they shared the stage with it. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, just like our country has a far right problem with Trumpism, um, Israel has a far right problem with Netanyahu, and um his allies in power yep. and yeah you know they they're and they're all aligned with like putin and uh ben Salman and like the the international yep. kleptocratic oligarch mafia organization that is trying to undermine democracy everywhere no literally they're all mirroring each other and it's insane that people are so blind to see that Netanyahu is literally, in my opinion, another Hitler. He's so um and I mean I think great. I even mean, be go ahead. Um he um he's not even the worst. Like Ben Gavir and um some of the like the Was far that right the guy that guys? just died today? Um the guy that died today who was in charge of oh, Cambodia. Kissinger? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Took him Kissinger. Yeah. Rotten hell and you bastard. And that's why it took him so long to go. You knew where he was going. <laughs> but um I, I I don't know. It's that's I guess it's so disappointing that everybody is so, you know, flat. We were talking about like the these mafia guys like Trump doesn't represent all Americans. Mm -hmm. Netanyahu doesn't represent all Israelis. Mm -hmm. He is very very unpopular there right now i think i saw it was like four percent um last time they took a poll uh but he needs this war to continue he, he doesn't care about the hostages to hang on to power. yeah it, he yeah no he needs oh, to hang pardon? on to power because the minute he's gone he's going back to court because he's under indictment for yep. like three felonies um which I mean, that's uh, peanuts compared to how many Trump is facing. But um, a criminal is a criminal. Mm -hmm. A war criminal. 
for sure. I mean, he's using collective punishment, and I'm pretty sure United Nations declared that as, you know, a war crime. But yeah, it's still okay to collectively punish all of Palestine. Yeah, the, 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 the UN has been pretty consistent and, and, and clear um, on, on, on their position. and They're pretty useless. It is good. They do not have much power to do anything. No, uh, absolutely. Sadly, and and it's like, why part do of we? That have is because of the American far right. Well, I mean, and you saw what they did to the Palestinian um, lady in the house. Like, she's the only Palestinian voice, and they told her that she needs to what like step down or something or just she she's not able to continue forward because she's considered anti-semitic but it's like she's the only palestinian representation we have in the united states or whatever in the house of congress or senate i don't know and yet they silenced her and now if you're right right. you saw how they passed uh, yeah yeah they 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 censure one woman for for you know standing up for what you know she believes is right and but you know 150 some congressmen on the republican side just trying mm-hmm. to overthrow the government you know a couple years ago and i don't even think they so much as yep. got censured nope yeah so i guess what it's good to see that there is a ceasefire or a pause, or whatever they want to call it, that's held for several days. You know, there's been some hostage exchange, uh, and that's fantastic. I understand um, I... that... Oh, well, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. I mean, it's not really a cease... I mean, yeah, it's a ceasefire, but they're attacking the West Bank right now, and they just murdered two, like, you know, four teenagers yesterday and the day before. They shot a nine-year-old, saw the video of that, they're just shooting kids left and right. They just stabbed a woman to death. So, I mean, yeah, it's a ceasefire. But also the release of Palestinian hostages. They're literally beating the living shit out of them. They're raping the women. They're not feeding them. They're not showering them. And these are all released statements from the hostages. And you have people commenting that they're lying. And then you saw the videos of the hostages released on Hamas side. And they're literally shaking hands with them, flirting with each other, dabbing up smiling like you know no source no not like no discomfort they were literally talking about how they were taken care of and they denied Danyahu's you know visit because they know that he's just going to completely switch what they have to say and make it you know whatever so that the Hamas were the bad guys but I mean it's a ceasefire but they're literally still killing people in the West Bank so and the hostages that they're releasing, they're literally beating the shit out of them. And they're not allowed to celebrate. They're not allowed to tell to people and tell them what's happening or what's happened to them. So a lot of people see this and they're happy. But as a Palestinian, I'm not happy about it because it's like 20,000 people had to die. Hostages are getting released, but they're getting beaten, raped and threatened to not even celebrate the release. And they're all kids. It's like, why are we celebrating that? They're kids. No one, like, I'm not, it's not towards you at all, but I'm just telling you, like, my perspective. It's like, it doesn't make me happy because there's no reason why there should be 8,000 kids held on without trial in Israel. And they also keep dead bodies after they have 
until they are like till they reach the end of their non-ending trial so it's like there's nothing really good about it <laughs> in my opinion yeah yeah i guess it's better than the uh alternative but that was uh that's a pretty low bar to kill or a little pretty low bar to cross um to, to you know not and you know keep. and they just kept you know they released i israel just released 116 hostages from palestine and then they went to the West Bank and captured 117 more kids. So it's not fair. And it's not, it's like, you know, unfortunately, Palestinians aren't using this time to rest. They're using that time to mourn their death, their family's death. They're using that time to find their families underneath the rubble. They're using that time to bury their kids, you know? So there's really nothing good about this pause right now, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I feel that. Um, I do um, understand that a lot of people, certainly in the Palestinian, Arab, and Muslim communities in this country, um, and and also largely on the left, like we're very disappointed with the U.S. government's response and President Biden's response. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of people apparently are saying, you know, that, the that, that I mean, is a lot of people, the last straw and they, they, you know, they won't, mm -hmm. they won't go vote for him next year. I mean, we're honestly is, screwed uh, yeah. for the next election, but I mean, yeah, no, he's an absolute worthless human being. I mean, he's not listening to his people. You see, I mean, you hear that. I mean, I'm not actually sure if you know, but just because it's like the media does such a good job of not showing the pro-Palestine rallies and protests, but you know, you see the numbers at pro-Israel protests and pro-Palestine, like the people of the United States, the majority is standing on the right side. The issues our president isn't listening and he's just turning a side eye because, you know, they need Israel. They need an ally. And he said it 20 years ago, not 20, like 40 years ago in an interview. If Israel didn't exist, we would have to create one. Ha ha ha. I mean, you know, like there's a reason why every president stands with them. There's a reason why Trump declared Palestine, um, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and took that away from Palestine in 2020. You know, so they love Israel. Um, yeah, I, I, I do understand that that. Biden has been um, putting a lot of pressure on Netanyahu and the the Israeli government, like behind the scenes. It's it's a very tough geopolitical place for him, knowing he has to stick with that, you know, pro capital, pro Israel consensus. Um, publicly and and privately give these guys you know what the hell uh, you know i guess uh, what what good does that do not much uh, no no it's not fair because if roles were reversed if a muslim country was doing what nanyahu was doing you know you know damn well the u.s would have been there so quickly and blowing the fuck out of that muslim country like they did in iraq so and any of, so it's like, if it's just, it's just disgusting and dehumanizing. And it's just a really hard time being Palestinian today just because they're really, like, they're really going through it. So. Do you um have family or 
friends or people you know there? Oh, absolutely. Friends in the West Bank, family friends in the West Bank. My mom, um, like I thought I didn't have any family in the West Bank, but no, my my mom's side still has family. They own little mini shops there. Um, one of, I mean, one of my friends posted on his Instagram the other day that, that, you know, there's like a lot of pages that report on what's going on in Palestine in the West Bank. And he, he saw his family's house get raided. He didn't even know how it happened. He saw it on that Instagram video. He said, this is literally my family's home back home in the West Bank. I had no idea this was going on. I've had families who you know are my friends families got wiped out in Gaza so I mean there's only so many of us and so we're all so close-knit together too so it's like we all know people who have already lost people you know I mean one of my older friends her husband is still being held hostage in Israel uh, in Palestine you know he's without trial he has they had no set date you know she's been waiting for, for 10 20 years so Oh and God. we have a yeah it's insane yeah um so i mean fortunately like my immediate family hasn't affected yet but my fam my friends and family friends like yeah they're all mourning and they're all trying to deal with it the best way that they can and i mean we're just we all feel so stuck and it's like we have survivor's guilt and i just feel so helpless and the fact that my tax dollar is supporting it too enrages me like there's no reason why indiana should be donating 12 million dollars to israel when there's potholes when there's homeless people when there's kids when one out of like four kids are hungry so yeah no it's just the whole situation's messed up yeah and i mean i voted for biden you know so it's like not to put my politics out there so i feel like so i feel a little bit of responsible of what's happening and it really really breaks my heart knowing that i'm in a country where my money is literally killing and ethnically cleansing my people and they want me to pay back my student yeah. my student loans uh-uh hell no <laughs> girl you hold out oh. you hold out boycott that shit i'd be like this is for pals <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh well nor i'm glad we could at least uh have a little laugh there at the end and not keep things absolutely so dark um thank you no, of course yeah like so much for for, My... for doing this I, I i really uh appreciate you um re you know really making this personal Put, putting a you know a face to the the struggle and and you know a voice yeah. to the the struggle um for our, our listeners here, you know, a, a lot of people have a, a hard time imagining, like, you know, people far away, um, you know, mm -hmm. they're uh, other, they're over there. But um, mm -hmm. once you know somebody personally, you know their story personally, it has a way of changing people's minds and changing people's hearts. And um, I, we've got a lot, of, a lot of minds and hearts to change still. Absolutely. No, I mean, I appreciate you taking the time and having me on here and just, you know, speaking, you know, have, you know, just giving me the opportunity to speak about it and just being able to voice my opinion and just how I feel. I think it's also really important. Um, I mean, yeah, and yeah, it's not every day where you know a Palestinian. <laughs> everybody everybody got to so. find at least one Palestinian friend, you know, to make uh, yeah. 
so so they can so they can know. Uh, well, nor thank you for being my Palestinian friend. That was my interview with my friend, Palestinian American Hoosier Nor Hussein. You know, you can really feel the uh, anger, sadness, and frustration uh, come through and. There were uh, a lot of claims that uh, both of us touched on in the interview, and I uh, will fact-check all those and include uh, links in the show notes. Uh, a couple things I did want to address specifically uh, regarding the treatment of the hostages. It's tough to find really good information out there. Um the uh, Israeli government has been really tight about controlling it. The narrative, again, I will include. Uh, I will include a couple links. Also, the claim that uh, most of Hamas are orphans. I cannot independently verify that, though. Uh, I, I, I found a couple things. I will include links. I cannot vouch for their accuracy, but the claim is out there. Uh, everything else even said in heat, appeared to be pretty true. But I want to return to one of the things that we talked about, and that is uh, the reasons for the unequivocal American support for the Israeli government in this conflict. And the first thing we mentioned was the, the geopolitics of uh, the Cold War and having an ally in the Middle East, access to uh, resources like oil and such. Uh, also, I mentioned in passing the uh, Christian end times fantasies uh, tossed about in evangelical circles, which in basically states that all of the Jews will return to Israel and re-establish the temple uh, there in Jerusalem, at which point Jesus will come to earth and force them all to convert or die, and then begin a reign of uh, a thousand years. It's crazy stuff. Uh, end times fantasies should not dictate foreign policy. I shouldn't have to say that. Um, but one thing we didn't get to that I want to reflect on a little bit here is... The United States can't be critical of Israel without being critical of itself. And that, it's like looking into a mirror and seeing your worst self peering back at you. Um, we did settler colonialism well before the state of Israel was ever established. We know what it looks like to sign a treaty with a group of indigenous people and then break that treaty. We know what ethnic cleansing looks like. We did that. We recognize the state of segregation that exists. There are certain places that Palestinian people cannot go and Israeli citizens can go. We did that. That's segregation. That's, uh, that's Jim Crow with Israeli characteristics. Is that Chaim Crow? The United States supported apartheid South Africa 
until 1986 when Congress had to override a veto from President Reagan to slap sanctions on the apartheid South African government well after the rest of the world did so. We supply Israel with most of those weapons they are using to indiscriminately bomb Gaza to nothing. We don't want to look at that. That's us. We did that. And it's hard to look at oneself critically. And I think this ties in with my talk with Jared Yates Sexton last week. And uh, it's, it's toxic masculinity, right? It's groups of mostly men refusing to look inward, admit their own wrongs, and work to rectify them in a constructive manner. So I don't think the situation will ever get better until America can look itself in the eye and right its wrongs, and until our ally, Israel, can do some reflection on the, the hard right turn that their government has made and right their wrongs. The, the aim, the stated aim, of the Israeli government in the aftermath of October 7th, the objective of their mission in Gaza is to destroy Hamas. And they may, but they will have killed a lot of innocent people, a lot of innocent people along the way. And unless the occupation ends, and unless the apartheid regime ends, you're just going to keep reproducing the conditions that led to Hamas. It may not be called Hamas next time, but that sentiment will not go away as long as people remain oppressed. That was a lot. That is it for me this time. Again, comments, please what did I get wrong? What did I get right? Help me be better. Thank you so much for listening to the Who's Left podcast. My name is Scott Aaron Rogers. Until next time, love each other, Indiana.